0: in preparation for our next contemplation, I'll speak a little bit now, and we can carry that forward into our investigation in Insight Dialogue. And one might wonder If this mindfulness and energy and even tranquility and so on is naturally available and if it can be cultivated to a high enough degree that one experiences significant Calm and clarity, understanding, peace, stuff like that, good stuff. Why is it not usually so? Right? Simple question. Kind of so obvious you'd almost think forget to ask it. Why do we say stay so stuck? Because being stuck, uh, you may have noticed, is really painful. I mean, it's really painful. It's where we have all of our conflicts with other people. It's where we fight with the world because we don't get what we want. It's where fear uh, sort of lives in the abscesses of the infected mind. I mean, it hurts. And there seems to be some drivenness to the self-sustaining system of suffering. It doesn't just sort of hang out there. It pushes us, or we feel pushed, or we somehow motivate through our lives in this tangle. We don't even just sit in it. We just keep making more of it. It's remarkable. I mean, are we that stupid? Or what? What's going on? Oh, really? So. Okay, so, I don't know if they still say this, but they used to say we're only using 10% of our brain. Let's just say that that's true. So, if we used all of our brain, would it be 10 times worse? (laughs) It's like I could really, really tie a really good tangle if I used my whole brain. You know, I could, those forces that push me to suffering, boy, they'd be really strong. If I used my whole brain, ouch. But it seems to be, you know, it seems to be uh, that this stuckness endures. There's a teaching that runs through the discourses, and the Buddha offered it in so many ways. And it helps, perhaps, to understand, how would help us to understand the nature of this self-sustaining, pushing forward of suffering and blindness. So it's worthy of our contemplation. Maybe we don't have to be quite so imprisoned as we have been. One one hears of one who is liberated as being taint-free or influx-free, free of intoxicants, free of the flood. And one hears about the Mind that is fettered by these qualities, tied down by certain qualities, and one hears of a, a very simple kind of a and You know, one hears, let's say, a talk by the Buddha and one is ready and one achieves this influx-free mode of being. And in defining what is meant by that, there were these three aspects. ignorance, the flood of becoming, the grasping at constantly becoming something, making a me, and the flood of sensual drive. And I'll say a little bit about how these work together because it's in working together that we see why they're grouped together by the Buddha and how they form what I call the tripod of suffering, like a really stable tripod of suffering as they support each other, no matter what the angle of our you know, the earth that we make with our minds, with our emotions and so on, somehow this tripod manages to get all three legs on the ground. So let's begin perhaps with something very easy to see which is the, uh, the longing for, the going-out-after sensual experience, sensory experience that will somehow please us and uh, give us what we want, get us what we want. We are the yeast looking for sugar. Basically, this organism is built to go get the stuff it wants for pleasure. And built into that, of course, is moving away from the vinegar, right? Moving away from what we don't want because that's tantamount to moving towards what we do want or at least not wanting the suffering of that other thing. So it's tied in, it's the movement driven by sense pleasure. To get a sense of what is meant by this, we really want to drop beneath the concept sense pleasure. Well, big deal. I know about that. Everybody knows about that. And we can all come up with lots of examples of our particular sense pleasures that we crave. And we can come up with our strategies for attaining to those sense pleasures. But can we really touch the extent to which the drive floods the mind? This is the question. Not just that You know, I prefer this coffee brand to this coffee brand. How clever of me to notice that I'm driven by the pleasure of which coffee I get. It's really uh, an urging that motivates me, motivates me in life to do stuff, to get, and this is really important, the sense pleasure of also others. Give me that. And I will go out after that, and I will strategize to get that. I will strategize to get the, not only the sexual pleasure of others, but the intellectual pleasure of others. And I will strategize to get the um, uh, entertainments, and I will strategize to get, of course, the direct, simple, sensory pleasures of taste and smell and sight and sound, and so on. So, with each sense contact, we can see this kicked into motion. With each contact, we have the arising of the, you know, greed if we like it, aversion if we don't. We all know about that. Delusion, if it doesn't interest us. But this isn't just with each contact. This is a whole pattern that is like a, a motivating force built up on top of this, or in, intrinsic to our, the design, if you will, of our sensory systems, and our brain, and how we have grown to survive in the world, because this, these are the things that helped us survive. We would get the tasty food and the body wouldn't waste away. It would have the strength it needs. We would get the high calorie foods and we might survive through the winter. So we like the fats and we like the sugars because they give us quick energy. But the point is, when we look at the aggregate of all of these inclinations of wanting and feeding sense pleasure, we see a kind of a push always going out to get. Always going out to get. Or, again, remember that that means avoiding pain. Right? So it's the same, same piece. How can I avoid pain is also a way of naming. How can I stay in what is relatively pleasurable? So how can I avoid the loneliness? How can I avoid the cold? How can I avoid the bad food? How can I avoid the sharp edges? How can I avoid the criticism? And so on. And it's not just each moment, remember, the mind strategizes. It plans. It builds. It builds jobs and personalities. It builds houses. It builds cars so it can go out to get the pleasures. It builds factories that makes the things for pleasure. It builds oil wells. It builds weapons to protect the pleasures. It builds. It becomes systemic. It builds alliances. It builds enemies. Pretty powerful force, yeah? And the key image here for this whole exploration now is how it floods the body-mind, intoxicates the body-mind, overtakes the body-mind, and we are in its thrall, that's it. This is where we get completely stressed in service of this sensual longing. But it doesn't work alone. So let's look at the urging, the flood of becoming. The, the build-up of the self. The individual self, the aggregate self of, uh, of a subgroup, a subculture, a country. It's all self. So let's just start right here, close to home. So all of these longings, all of these preferences, all of this wanting, and the stress that it creates, the drive moving through the world, this sensitive organism trying to get and and, uh, work out a life that will Maximize these pleasures and all of this strategizing, all the tension associated with that, all the thinking, all the uh, successes and failures that create so much tension. Success creates tension too. All of that, all of that tension, is like a, a gathering point. It's it's a uh, it, it it takes on a life of its own where this incredibly powerful brain-mind thing, body-mind, takes this nut of tension and this becomes self. This is the movement through the world of all of that preferencing and all of that strategizing and all of that getting and all of that protecting and all of that longing and all of that fear. All the thoughts and the emotions, the whole fleshy sense of it. It's not just some abstract thought. This is like what we feel. We feel me. And this me now has to be protected. It has to be fed and built up and constantly stimulated so it knows where it is. When it can't get the stimulation it seeks from outside, it just makes up. It just makes up all kinds of thoughts. It plays music in its head. It has thoughts in its head. I am, I am, I am, I am. That's what it's doing. And that's a manifestation of the stress of becoming and getting. And it never ends because you can never get enough. Not only can the sensory pleasures never be lastingly fed, just because of the physiology, it doesn't work like that. And also the psychology of it, because... There's always a better one ahead. There's always something else to be had. But also the constant feeding of that means that we have to, we're constantly forming more and more becoming. Bhava is the word in Pali. And this, this forward push of Becoming, and wanting to keep becoming, and getting more and more food for me, floods the body-mind. So there's a push now, through this life, through the actions of the body, through the ruminations and proliferations of the mind, of the personality, How can I get? How can I become? And I don't just become through my pleasures of the senses. I become through you. You see me. I am. We are. We make each other. We validate each other's existence. And we have all kinds of unwritten, unwritten, unspoken, unrecognized contracts about mutual becoming. We see them all the time in our close relationships, if we're honest. We may or may not want to see them, but they're there. How are you this morning, sweetheart? Simple. I see you. Oh, I'm fine. How are you? I see you. Oh, Okay, I'm stable for now. It's simple. It's innocuous. It's not bad. It's just cause and effect. And we're looking at it in a bare way that may be uncomfortable for some, but comfort wasn't promised. So this, this becoming now, regardless of the sensory pleasure, has its own motive force. I'm going to become professionally successful and seen and have uh, plenty of occupation, keep myself flooded, keep the, keep the self-system going not just because I want the money from the profession that will give me the sense pleasures, but because the becoming itself feels good. The organism seeks it. And the mind, the body-mind, is flooded. A thought comes up. It leads into this becoming strategy Out comes all of the particulars, whatever yours and mine are. It's one more piece. And this is the flood, the influx, the intoxicant of ignorance. Jiva, avija sorry. And this ignorance is simply, it's most basic, not knowing that what I'm describing right now is constantly happening and dominating this life. That's one way of understanding how it keeps going. We're blind to it. Operating under the thrall of longing for pleasure and fear of pain. Operating under the intoxicant of becoming. Well, that's just how life is. We even think of that as the good stuff. Me and my successes and you know, the successes of my child. And by the way, that's my child who's successful, which thereby makes me successful, because, of course, I made that. (laughs) And that feels pretty good. I got double becoming my own. I got sort of a a becoming appendage here. Help me become some more. Go out in the world and do great things. I become, every time I read in the newspaper about my son, the president, my daughter the president, if you will, but we're blind moment by moment and as a life pattern we are blind. We're so stressed in the project of getting the pleasures and we're so stressed by the fear of not existing, of not being seen, of not succeeding, of not becoming something, that the mind is noisy, preoccupied, unstable, and we can't see how things are. We don't see any of this. It just goes on and on. It's one of the reasons meditating can be so disruptive. Everybody meditates to get free of stress. Well, you really do some good meditation and you're going to see some stuff you don't like. That's just how it works. It's the shadow side of meditation that you see the totality of the human experience when the mind gets clear. Of course, the good news is is that maybe you can be free, but that's different than stress reduction. So, how do these three legs of the tripod work together to create such a stable life of blindness and pain. Well, We've already seen how the intoxicant of sensuality sustains the self, right? That's, we already named that. I'm the one that's got to get all these pleasures and protect my pleasures and, and avoid the pain. And I, I, I build around that my strategies, my preferences and sense of self becomes that. And we can see how the ignorance is sustained by the pleasuring because of the constant tension and obsession, in in fact, obsession with sensory contacts, relational contacts is included in that. And so we don't see. How does the becoming contribute to the ignorance and the sensory obsession? The the sort of stronger and clearer, the sense of me, provides this strong and stable base from which to go out and feed. That's the me that would be fed. The clearer and the more um, uh, vivified, the more activated and filled up this sense of me, the more the, uh, uh, it's like there's, the, the sense that comes to mind is like the body is bigger so it can it can hold more pleasures. It's, it's just the sense of self is so strong that the drive for the pleasure of that self is equally strong, shall we say. And remember this image of flooding the body-mind, intoxicating the body-mind. When I am intoxicated with self, anything goes. For not only my becoming, but anything goes for how I get my pleasures and what they are. You can see this in, in let's say, obsessions of extremely wealthy people. There's all kinds of uh, resources that are put in, in play to provide the pleasures, and the sense of self gets further identified with those pleasures, and the pleasures become uh, you know, more elaborated with the inflated sense of self. And that obsession with self, of course, intoxicates the mind, agitates the mind, obsesses the mind, and the ignorance. You cannot see through it. The mind is thick with becoming. And of course, the aviji, the not knowing of ignorance, is the, you might say, the linchpin. Because this whole thing, as I said earlier, can just keep going when we don't know it. When we're, we're, we don't know we're in prison. This just becomes life the way life is. So why do anything about it? because we're constantly intoxicated. We're constantly flooded by it. The thought of a choice doesn't even come up when ignorance is operating. The knowledge of suffering is not even present. This feels like pleasure, or this feels like I'm going to get some pleasure, or I had some pleasure, I think I can get it again, you know, and on and on. So this is the tripod I'm talking about. Asavas, kamasava, the pleasure, bhavasava, becoming, and avijjava, asava, the flood of ignorance. And in this, despite this exquisite capacity we have, for clear-mindedness, for love, for compassion, when the mind is flooded, we're separated from that, we're lost, and it doesn't have to be this way. So now we have maybe some understanding of this phrase the influx free liberation of the mind, the taint free, the stain free liberation of the mind, the collapse of that edifice. of sensuality becoming an ignorance. Is such a thing possible? Question, I think. Mm-hmm. So let's find out for ourselves, or at least get closer. <laughs> okay, Can I ask a question that's arising. Mm-hmm. So